Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Caitlin J. McCall. And I'm Kirsty McConnell. And welcome to Season 10, Episode 3 of the Pet Photographers Club Podcast. You will recognize today's guest from our all-star lineup at the conference, but stay tuned because this is fresh content for you and you don't want to miss it. Uh, He runs a successful portrait studio in Australia and also has a passion for helping fellow photographers. What sets him apart from the growing list of photographers offering coaching is that he is an expert in rewiring your mindset. His coaching clients have seen that by changing small habits and thought patterns, new opportunities and ideas come up and therefore their businesses uh, thrive. Of course, this won't happen without some work and uh, you do have to put in the effort, you have to train and that's why we have him uh, on the show today to give you some tips for helping you get out of your own way. It is Joel Dunn of JD Mindset Coaching. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club, Joel. Thanks for having me, ladies. Looking forward to having a chat. So we're so happy to have you on. As I said right before we uh, hit record, we always hear such brilliant things about people who have had coaching with you. And in fact, I was just, I had a coaching call with someone doing the self-publishing program literally a couple of hours ago and she mentioned that she'd just finished up um, working with Joel Dunn and I was like, oh, that's so funny. I'm just about to chat with him. But she had only brilliant things to say about um, how you've been helping her in her pet photography business. So, yeah, really excited for our chat today. Yeah, awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) Great to get feedback like that. Yeah, always. So, Joel, um, that was a bit of a brief introduction um, into what, how you help people. But maybe um, we could backstep a little bit, and you can just give a little introduction into you know your what your photography um, business looks like, and then we can um, sort of move into yeah some more actionable advice for for the listener. Yeah, for sure. So I. I'm primarily a like we do families and kids in my studio. Um, it's been an 18 year journey for me from to where I am now. Um, and I guess the reason I got into coaching was that I really found myself stressed, anxious, struggling, um, overwhelmed all the time in the business, and it wasn't fun. So through a lot of different disciplines with like reading, podcasts, seminars, coaching, obviously. I created a set of, I guess, mindset structures and structures within the business to really elevate it. And just to give you a little background, at one stage I was doing 300 portrait shoots a year and I was selling, shooting and retouching all those myself. So it was crazy, crazy busy. Oh, I can't even. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was nuts. Like, yes, I had a really successful business, but I wasn't wasn't enjoying it. Like, I didn't have enough time for my kids. We we started having kids by this stage and I was really not depressed but just really anxious and stressed about life and business. So what I did to change that we can go through today, but if you fast forward to now that I've got my photography business is still going really well. 
this year we'll probably only shoot 100 to 120 portraits. Um, but literally all I'm doing now in the business is photographing it and doing the marketing. The rest is outsourced or I've got my staff doing it. So my coaching is taking up 80% of the time, which I'm absolutely loving. And the photography business is sort of running not on automatic. It's That's probably sounds a bit too good to be true. But yes, I have to put work into it, but it's literally maybe 10 hours a week tops. So I guess 60 hours a week to 10 hours a week and we're earning more money the way we're doing it now as well. Joel, it sounds like you're living every photographer's dream when it comes to their business structure. (laughs) So um, I think that probably leads really nicely into um, kind of what, uh, yeah, what kind of tips you can give photographers to get there. Now, obviously there's not just going to be a – a one strategy suits all. Um, but I mean, clearly you're a marketing genius to be able to book out 300 shoots a year and everything. Um, and must be sales guru too. So that definitely would be super helpful for when you're coaching, I imagine. And then, um, you've got this, um, expertise, I suppose in uh, mindset too. So, I mean, what comes first, uh, the chicken or the egg in this situation? <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting, really interesting question. I think the thing with marketing that people get stuck on is marketing. All marketing is is action taking, really. Like I was never great at marketing. I just what I did to get those three hundred shoots. I took a lot of action, like constantly marketing, trying different things and tweaking and learning. And I had a lot of failures over that time as well. A lot of marketing did not work or didn't hit. Um, But the thing is, a lot of people I find, a lot of photographers will do one Facebook campaign at bombs and they go, Facebook doesn't work. Or they don't look at it and learn from it and go again. And the same with sales. Sales isn't a hard thing. Sales is really psychology and a really good system. So what I mean by system is really setting your client up through the process of the planning appointment, the consultation on the phone and your email structure and everything beforehand, then the sale looks after itself and it's really relatively easy. So I guess there's three three sort of main concepts to a business, a photography business. There's the mindset and the sales and marketing. I think they're the three pillars of a good business and that's why without the mindset the other two are irrelevant because you can have some marketing tools in your belt but if you haven't got the sales to back it up or the mindset to keep it going it's going to fall down same if you're great at sales if you haven't got the action taking marketing and the mindset it's going to fall down so all my clients we start with the mindset first yeah that totally makes sense and i'm sure that like probably everybody listening, um, lucky you if if it's not you, (laughs) but um, the listener I mean, but I would say almost everybody listening has had their, themselves get in their own way at some point along the way. I know, you know, even little, little things like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow, you know, or it might've actually been a hurdle that happened in your life that you had to press pause for a minute or something like that, but then it's trying to come back as well. So, Totally makes sense that you, you know, start with mindset. I can hear lots of people saying like, yeah, yeah, maybe I, you know, I just try something once and then I don't try it again. And that's, I assume, based on 
on fear of failure? Is that is that what you would say, John? A hundred percent. Like it's always our, like I guess, clients I work with, it's their limiting beliefs or their fear of failure or how they look or all that sort of thing that really stops them. Um, I guess the three or four things I can we can go through today, but like, you know, their comfort zone. So pushing their boundaries and doing things that make them are uncomfortable or feel uncomfortable is a big factor. There's also limiting beliefs, like I said, like what stops them to take that action is usually what goes on in their head and what they tell themselves, like you're in a voice. And then it's actually the discipline to to keep going with um I guess certain structures in your business and life that really help you get in the right headspace to take these actions. Yeah. So let's get specific, if you don't mind, Joel, yeah, of um, with photographers that you've worked with. How do you specifically see some of those mindset challenges play out? Like, for example, a, a limiting self belief. What would be an example of one of those? Yeah, like a money block is pretty common and what I mean by money block is and a lot of these are ingrained from quite early on like childhood like um, you know you might have parents that you know were scrimping and saving and money doesn't grow on trees and you can't have that and we can't afford that and that mindset is so deeply ingrained in people because from one to eight years old all of our belief structures pretty much sorted right and even as a 40 year old that belief structure still plays out in business. So people, for example, in a sales situation don't believe they're worth or people won't pay that or there's no way I can charge that. These are the beliefs that get in their way and stop them from achieving. Like I was talking to a potential client today and she was averaging, you know, $900, right, which is it's okay but it's not going to, it's not sustainable long term. It's like it needs to be mm-hmm. high. And I said, well, for your and she's got amazing work, by the way. And I said, for your level of work and where you're at, that should be closer to two to two and a half. And she was like, there's no way people will pay that. I said, why? What do you mean? And we went through it all. And as it turned out, she had a lot of money blocks from childhood. And I guess one way to get past that is we look at other people in the group. So that's why it's great. Um, we have a closed Facebook group where you can see other people achieving certain results when they're in week six or week 10 of the course or the program or the coaching. And so it makes them believe because once you see someone else do it, it makes it more achievable in their eyes as well. Right. It's sort of hard to argue that no one's going to spend four grand on pet photography if you can see three other people showing you, here's the order that the client's just placed. Yeah. Um, Right, yeah. Like, okay. I, I, like we have a part in our group called um, The Trumpet. Like it's a post every week. And so if you do something great, put it in there because it's like as, as Aussies, you know, we don't like to brag. It's like tall poppy syndrome, but we I want to celebrate. So if you do something really great like a sale, put it in there so other people can see it and go, wow, like I want to do that. Yeah, it, it, you're so right, um, especially – I do find in the Australian culture that it's really um, it's a really big block. I think for a lot of people that don't don't want to come across as bragging. So then how, or even to come across as like 
too salesy or too marketing or anything like that because heaven forbid we actually be running a business. So, um, yeah, I definitely yeah. recommend oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's big in Australian culture. Um, mm. It's not as prevalent as with my American clients because they're yeah. they're more like they're okay with it, but we we so often dim our our like dim our voice or dim out who we are personality wise and all this stuff because of we're worried what people will think. So a lot of it is like really showcasing that and just being your authentic self in business and in your lives and in what you post because then you'll attract your perfect clients and people who are connecting with you as well. Yeah, that totally makes sense, Joel. I have to say I've also seen it in a different way with American and Canadian um, pet photographers especially. Um, I'm not sure about uh, European at this point but where the problem might not come back, like the the block might not come from um, this tall poppy syndrome, as we call it, but um, something else, you know, like it's still a money block. It's just caused from something else. So, and I reckon we see heaps of. Yes, oh, that's no one in my area would pay that. Um, and then you'll have someone else pop up and be like, "Well, I, I actually also live there," and yes, they will. But yeah. Feel like that's a, a common blocker as well anyway oh, that's, I guess I just... that, that's huge I've got a couple of points of that one just popped into my mind I had a client who was in rural um, New South Wales and she lived in a farming community and she's like we talked about um, and she's like in my area people aren't going to pay that and we had a big conversation I said that's I hear that all the time and it's bullshit oh I don't know if I can swear on this but it's not <laughs> cool um Anyway, so that was our first call. The second call, she got on all excited and she's, oh, my God, you're so right about people in this area. She goes, I was just chatting to my, um, there was bushfires in the area at the time and the, the lady, the house next door, the farm next door burnt down, right, which is really sad. And she was talking to her neighbour and she goes, oh, my God, we lost all our photos and we just spent 18, she's just spent $18,000 on her portraits and so she's right next door to this lady and she's a photographer. This lady went all the way to Sydney to get portraits and spent $18,000 and she lives next door to her. So that totally flipped her script on that and she then believed that, wow, people will not only pay, we are talking 1500 this is 18000 Like it was totally blew her mind and that was enough for her to just let go of that belief straight away. So okay. when people do start letting go of those beliefs, how do you – see that then impacting the the change in their sales strategy yeah so it's something I, I talk to people about called courage over confidence and what i mean by that is you need to have the courage to change something right so it might be a price list or it might be going from packages to a la carte or putting your prices up and it's really out of people's comfort zone they're really awkward about it and stressed about it but with some, having a coach or someone to back you and go this is the right move having the courage to do it and then once you get that first result like and people buy and they don't even flinch the confidence rises really quick and they go wow this worked and then it's that's gone that block is just gone like literally straight away i suppose the um the thing that we always have to remember is what's the worst case scenario yeah 
like you don't make the, it doesn't work and you go back to a different pricing but it's just so intimidating the idea of being when you th- when we're talking about raising our pricing for example the idea of being in a sales room and having someone say oh no you're not worth that which when, that would never happen for starters as you I know you teach you have so many systems in place that they've seen the pricing beforehand um so it just wouldn't ever happen to get to that spot but that that can be like a really terrifying idea I think yeah and fear is the one thing that stops everyone like fear like there's all different types of fears, right? But in the sales, like the thing with photographers, they we get so attached to our work, right? It's like if someone says no to a photo, it's like them rejecting us. <laughs> like that's how ingrained it is with people. But like you said, if you set the process up right, there's no – that's never going to happen in a sales room because everyone's on the same page. They may say no right at the start. No, I don't want to spend that because – they don't value photography enough, which is totally fine because not everyone's going to be your client. So I try to get my clients really comfortable with people saying no to them and them saying no to people. Like in our system, we have a set point where they go, you know what, we may not be the right photographer for you because I know you're going to love them and I know you're going to want to spend X amount and that's why we're so upfront. So, you know, we may not be the right photographer and people actually thank, like in our studio, they thank us. They go, thank you for being upfront you know, like and not wasting our time. And no one ever cracks, you know, gets the sads about it. It's just like, you know, they they don't value it, obviously. It's, it's fine. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Joel, to mention that, you know, not everybody is your client and that's okay. And if you can be confident in in saying, like being the one to break up, I suppose, it, it will make your life a lot easier. There was something Caitlin said earlier. She said, um you know, what's the worst that can happen? If it doesn't work, you go back to your old ways, okay? And it's a good point, I think, but I would like to know, Joel, what you think about that. Like how many times would you try something or or what's your kind of strategy of trying something and when do you know to declare it like a failure, for example? I mean, for lack of a better word, you know, like I'm thinking of a photographer who maybe has um, not in, not a specific one, but a photographer who's, you know, decided, okay, I'm going to go from all-inclusive digitals for $500 to a la carte and I want my average to be three grand. And they implement it and then crickets. Phone doesn't ring. They're doing all the right things marketing-wise. They're hearing like you're too expensive. What, you know, at what point do you reevaluate that it's the price list and at what point do you reevaluate everything else and when do you change it completely? Yeah, so that's a really good question because I do have a lot that will go from 500. But for me, like ideally you want people up to that two or 3,000. But for me sometimes, and you're not, it's a person-by-person basis when I'm coaching them. So it's, let's say it's a 500, I'll start at a 1,500. Let's go to 1,500 because I know 3,000 is just too far for them because they've got to believe it in some aspect of themselves. If it's totally out of the realms of possibility, they're just going to sabotage it every time. So 500 to 3,000 is just too fast for some people. So I'll start at 1,500. Okay, let's set our price list up at 1,500. Then when we get there and they're confident, then we move it to two. Then we move it to two and a half. So I had a client in New Zealand who is in my mastermind at the moment and she started, yeah, 500. 
I think it was, it was about 800 actually, I think. And then we took her to around the $2,000 mark and now she's up to three. But that was a, a process. It wasn't all in one go. Okay. And so what's your advice then? I know this is probably a bit like a lot to answer in one question, but for even believing in the 1500, for example, I mean, I can hear a photographer that does 500 at the moment saying, well, that's three times my average, say, or my, my every client because I do all-inclusive. I mean, that's three times, still nobody's going to pay that. So what do you do in the, the pre-work, I guess, like before that to to get to accepting 1500 Yeah, there's a bit of coaching that goes into it, like one-on-one coaching for a start and getting those blocks out of the way and the mindset in the right space. But also what you've got to remember is when you're doing a $500 USB package, for example, and you're changing that to a $1,500 in-person sale, it's a totally different beast because there's only so much you can charge for a USB before people won't spend it, right? But when you're doing products and you're doing a process and like the customer experience, they're prepared to spend a lot more because they're getting an experience plus a product. Where with a USB, it's just like people have the mentality like, oh, they just put it on a disc and away we go. Like there's a different mentality there. So one, it's the mindset blocks and work on them. And two, it's setting up a really good process so they be, they're comfortable with it. So it's like the consultation, this is what you say in the planning appointment, this is how you run a sale. And so I think that probably leads into also choosing um, a structure that you believe in too. I mean, you can't if you don't believe in the value of wall art, then you're never going to be able to sell it either, right? And then maybe you need to be selling albums instead or, or sets of small prints. Um, I imagine that there's a, a correlation there. 100%. Um, like I have some clients that you'll talk to them about it, like even people are doing IPS and, okay, this is our average. I can't get people to spend more than this. And like, well, what are you selling? Like, okay, like there's a package and they get 30 digitals plus a canvas and everyone's just buying that. I go, of course they are. You're giving them literally everything in the, the <laughs> one go, right? Like no one's buying wall art and no one, because you're giving everything away. So we've got to restructure that. Now, a lot of the time they're giving everything away because that makes them feel comfortable. They go, well, if I give them everything, I feel comfortable selling that and not, you know, because I hear people go, well, I don't, I don't want people to walk away, you know, spending too much or like, and I go, that's crazy. Like let people spend. Like some people have spent seven, 8,000 in my studio and thanked me on the way out and give me a hug and go, oh my God, thank you so much. And like, I'd never spend $8,000 on my kids. I love them, but I'm not <laughs> spending eight grand on them. Right. But also, like, what is too much? I mean, you you just said that some photographers say, I don't want my clients spending too much. But how do you define that? Because to me, too much might be $500. Like yesterday I spoke to my auntie. She asked me for a recommendation for a commercial photographer for their business in Melbourne. And I said, what's your budget? And she said, I don't know, like 500 bucks, I guess. And I was like, Honey Lynn, you're going to make a bunch of money from these photos. Like this is a commercial photo shoot. Like you're not going to get anything for $500. It's going to be terrible. Like just go buy some stock images that don't match or anything. Like what do you yeah. mean? You know, it's, a, it's all relative, right? Yeah. Like it's all relative. Like five $5,000 to one person might be a drop in the ocean, like nothing. It's like pocket change where other people that that's, the most money they'll spend in their life. Like 
some people, when I'm talking to them about coaching and we're going through price and how much it costs for the program, it's a lot, right? But I get it because I've had a couple of times I've had coaching. I've actually taken out a personal loan twice to get coaching because I didn't have the money. Like I literally didn't like the first coach I ever got was uh, 15, 16 years ago. It cost me nearly 4000 which back then I was, I think my profit for that year was like, Six thousand. So it was, it was a lot. So I took out a personal loan, and it totally changed my business. You but, really you yeah. have to have the courage to just make that leap. Sometimes, Kirst, do you remember? It would be like ten years ago now, or something. It was right when you started. Um, I remember having a conversation with you about I couldn't possibly charge more for the albums because that that's just greedy. <laughs> And I don't, I don't need all of that. I just, I'm just, it's just me and plea backpacking. But like, I feel like that would be quite a common block again. That feeling of like, oh, I don't want to be greedy. It's just like, well, it's, it's not greedy. It's just providing more of a service and building your business. But I, I totally can see why people would feel like that. I can possibly charge that. Because, yeah. It's, yeah. It comes back to deserveability, right? Like, who right. are you? Who are you not to deserve all the money in the world? Like, it's not greedy. Like, that comes back to scarcity as well. Like, a lot of people like, oh, there's only a certain amount of money, or a certain amount of leads, or a certain amount of photography clients mm-hmm. out there, and I, I don't want to be greedy and take too much or too many. But it all comes back to deservability, which is then another belief structure or limiting belief that people have. Like you deserve to get paid 10000 every client if that's what you want. And like you've got to remember what we give people. Like we give people, one, an amazing experience with their pets or their kids or whoever you're photographing, like a moment in time, like a half an hour, an hour or a shoot that they just get to have fun, right? That's one thing. Then you're giving them a product that could be in their families for generations or their pet passes away and they've got this beautiful memory. Like I remember having a client a couple of years ago, we did a shoot, there was a family with two dogs and one of the dogs was like 12. Anyway, between the sale when we they got this beautiful big portrait of the dogs and the family, when they came back to pick it up, the dog had passed away. Just like it was really, she she saw the photo and absolutely burst into tears and, and it was so sad But she goes, thank God, we got these photos. I'm going to treasure this forever. And it meant so much to her. And like, that's why we do what we do. Like, it's priceless. You can, you should charge whatever you want for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely um, something that we see as pet photographers. Unfortunately, our dogs usually have much shorter lifespans than us, <laughs> um, or horses or cats. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something we see that, that if you've, had that experience where a client has come in, it really does reinstate, like reiterate, I should say, like that importance, you know, it really, it really helps you to believe in what you do when you have that kind of experience. Um, but I think Joel, like you just spoke so naturally and really from the heart, I can tell that you, every word that you just said about, you know, what we do and the importance of it, you really believe that. And I think, uh, I think from discussions with a lot of other photographers that maybe they struggle to see that value sometimes. Um, you know, they love what they do and, you know, obviously they appreciate their own photos. Maybe it's more that they don't 
believe that the client values it that much? Is that something that you see, Joel? Yeah, that's that's really powerful um, because they love it so much they don't feel like it's work sometimes or they started it as a hobby and just mm. enjoyed it so much, right? And there's this big correlation with everyone in society about money equals hard work or money equals stress or money equals this, right? But when they're doing something they love and they're like, well, I'd do it for free, like they they feel like they can't charge, but like a lot of, you know, AFL footballs or soccer stars in Europe or whatever, they would probably do it for free, but they'd get paid millions of dollars to do it, right? So just because you love it doesn't mean you shouldn't be getting really good money for it and charging your worth. I think um, or I imagine, Joel, that that whole hard, hard money equals hard work or success equals hard work is another block um, that people struggle with when it comes to refining your business. You mentioned at the start that your photography business runs semi-automatic now. Um, And I think that a lot of people would, I don't know, what am I trying to say? (laughs) Do you find that a that a lot when you're trying to set up systems or teach people how to streamline their business that they feel like they don't want to automate these things because aren't they supposed to be working however many hours per day? Doesn't that mean that that's what success is? It's so strange. Like, yes, it's a social construct, right? The hard work equals money. And this is something I battle with, to be honest, as well. Like when I set up this photography business like the reason I set it up like this uh, quite a few years ago is because I wanted to do some coaching right and I didn't have the time but when I set it up before I really got into coaching I almost felt bad I was like I just did a four thousand dollar sale and I literally spent 40 minutes with these people and it was almost like I had a battle going on inside me for quite a while that this doesn't feel right. Like I haven't worked hard for this, but it was getting over that and going, you know, and I have a lot of clients that are exactly the same. Like one client I just talked to today, her $1,500 average for her newborns, right? And then her average for families is 800. I'm like, what's going on there? And she's like, well, families are easy. It only takes me blah, blah, blah. But, you know, with the newborns, it takes me 15 hours. I've got to do this. And I'm like, ah, bang, look at that. And she's like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think you're right, Joel, that it's a society, a society-wide thing. It's not just specific to photographers. I mean, I'm working in collaboration with a social media strategist at the moment. We're doing a, a new offer together. Uh, for businesses and um, anyway I was talking to her about like okay well why don't we automate this and we automate that and blah 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 it's a new partnership and I'm so used to working with Caitlin on the podcast right and Caitlin's like bang 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 all over um, automation like there's no tomorrow before I can even think of it and anyway this um, new like business partner of mine she was like what do you mean I can automate all of that and I was like oh yeah I forgot that you're not Caitlin yeah okay and I like talked told her to run down and in the end she said but hang on I have to work for my part of the money and I was like what why (laughs) what do you mean what do you want to work for like we can just automate this part and she was like mind blown and this is a completely different industry I mean she doesn't work with photographers normally she's a social media strategist 
um, she consults to big companies. And her mind was just completely blown that this was even an option that she didn't have to be doing the work. And when I asked her why, like, why do you feel that you need to work like more hours to earn the money? She's like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's my job. <laughs> so I think you're right. It's not just, I mean, it's just another example. It's outside the photography world. That's why I wanted to pop it in there. But I mean, it's a society wide thing in, in a lot of parts of the world, at least, you know? I hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, we get, yeah, we get used to going, all right, we get paid, you know, in a job $30 an hour or X amount for a year, like salary and like people get into that that mentality is like, well, okay, well, I only worked an hour but I can make $3,000 sale or whatever is not even in the realms, right? Like, yes, you've got overheads and stuff. Like, you know, I've had people come in and go, how can you charge $200 or $500 for a photo when all you did is click a – like I've had people literally say that. And it's like, well, why can't I? Like, that's what it's worth. You know, that we've got overheads, we've got different things, obviously, but people are so stuck in that, you know, reward for effort. One hour equals $30 or $50 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, different industries, some people earn $20 an hour and others earn two, $3,000 an hour in what they do consulting. So, yeah. I find um, that that whole busyness myth that society is really obsessed with um at the moment can be a really big barrier I get a bit um I don't know if embarrassed is the right word I don't like my immediate friends to really know what my work hours are because I used to put a lot of pride I used to have a lot of pride attached to the fact that I would you know this was like eight years ago that I worked so much and so therefore that must mean I'm successful so then when I put in all these systems in place to really cut down my work hours so I have you know when I'm not I mean I'm in the month before my maternity leave as a recording so this is a this month's a bit crazy, but usually my workload is really, really pleasant. And then I get a little bit embarrassed that does that reflect as I am either lazy or I should not be charging what I am charging or that I'm not successful. Um, I sort of overthink how working less might come across because our society is so obsessed with more hours equals more success. Yeah. Yeah, like we wear it as a badge of honour, right? <laughs> like this is how much I work. And I'm I, so to be, tired, I'm so busy. Yeah. Aren't I successful? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like really, I do, I do really, I'm a, like I'm a, I keep like I had to sort of come to terms with this in COVID really, like it really hit home for me how much I have to be busy all the time, right? So obviously COVID just totally shut down my photography business. It really shut down the the coaching a little bit as well for a while and I've found myself with so much time on my hands and I'm such an achiever I always fill gaps with something else so once that happened I, I just started working on a new program and I just like I literally went into the studio no one was in there and I was working 50 hours a week and my wife said what are you doing in there like there's nothing happening and I made stuff up so that was a big like realisation, like, holy shit, I'm just, you know, I, I really slowed down the photography and then I 
filled it with coaching and now the coaching stuff and the photography stuff, now I'm filling it with another program. I'm going, settle down. You don't have to work all the time. <laughs> so it was, yeah, the big realisation. I think um, it sounds like you're the same as us in that regard, Joel. Like Caitlin, as Caitlin was just saying, like she feels like, am I being lazy? And I know I've actually referred to myself as lazy. Like once Caitlin said that, it made me realize um, on multiple occasions, purely when it comes to work, you know, and I'm actually not lazy. I mean, I run three or four, three businesses, you know, like I'm not lazy, but I'm efficient. And sometimes I think we, we think of, you know, like you just said, if I'm not filling my days with 8, 10, 12, 14 hours work days, then it's laziness even though it's actually often efficiency. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm not sure how many of the listeners have pushed themselves the other way like Caitlin and I have. It sounds like maybe you as well, Joel, or how many, you know, it seems like we, we all need to work on a balance in the middle that, you obviously recognised um, when your wife came out or said to you, what are you doing, Joel, working so hard. But we need this balance. We don't want to go too far one way or too far the other, mindset-wise, I mean, um, with. Yeah. Yeah. Like 100%. Like even even really tomorrow, right, my wife's going away for the weekend with her friends and um, my five-year-old's at home tomorrow because he hasn't got kinder. And I'm like, I found myself going, okay, I'm not working for a whole day. Like maybe I can watch, get in to watch a movie. I can do two hours. I'm like, no, enjoy the day. Just have a day off, right? <laughs> you don't have to work every day. And I don't have actually anything pressing to do. So I have to really stop myself and make myself take that time off, which is super important. I get my clients to do it, but sometimes I've got to te- you know, coach myself for that as well. Yeah, it's just such a hard lesson but important lesson to try to learn how to build these businesses these lifestyle businesses rather than getting so hung up on achieving the next goal which I think that might be a a perfect place for us to wrap up the first half of this interview um guys if you're listening to this the first half um you can jump over to the show notes at the petphotographersclub.com forward slash podcast forward slash 1003 for season 10 episode 3 and we'll have a link to all of Joel's bits and bobs um, about JD Mindset coaching there. Uh, If you're listening to the full extended version because you are a member of the Pet Photographers Club, then first of all, thanks for being a member. Um, And second of all, if you're not a member yet, you can join us at the petphotographersclub.com forward slash join. I think I'd really like to continue that conversation about how um, we can be building these lifestyle businesses that actually work for ourselves rather than getting hung up on um on these challenges that we've been talking about um and before we uh continue just for that just for the listeners on itunes or or your free podcast listener um if you are considering uh coaching with joel jump on his website check it out it's been like We've heard so many good reports um, of people that have just, like we said at the start of the interview, like doing so, so well after coaching with Joel. 
Um, so look into it. And if you decide um, to go ahead, we do have a cashback offer uh, that we work that we offer to listeners. Um, so yeah, we'll pop a link in for that as well because uh, yeah, you can save some money that way as well. So I just wanted to give a little shout out for Joel's coaching uh, for the free listeners. Yeah, lovely. Perfect. Yeah, thank you. Just uh, reach out and we can have a chat. Thanks for listening to the Pet Photographers Club. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes and keep up to date, head to thepetphotographersclub.com.